Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. Cause I won't use discretion when I'm talking about obsession. Cause this is what makes me me. And I'm glad that I called ya. I'm talking about nostalgia. And this is where I wanna be. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Kathleen DeMarl, and you are listening to a new episode of The Gimme. I'm your resident horse girl. Uh, I could not be more excited to have on this week's guest. Um, I think the first time we did a show together was like one of the first book shows I did outside of Boston on the Cape and my coworkers were terrified for me. Um, everybody uh, on today's show, we have AJ Haypenny. Did I say your last name right? You're, you're the only one that said my last name right. So, so clearly you are excited to have me if you're pronouncing my name right. I get so worried about how people pronounce my last name that I'm like, I have to get this right. I, I, pers- I personally don't give a shit when, when people mispronounce my name wrong. Cause, and then you see other people that are just open micers and, and just go, I'm going to do a full minute of why this guy got my name wrong. No, just do your material, you, you, you stupid dick. It, it, I mean, what do people usually say? Is it like happeny or something? Uh, they say happeny or hoppenny or there's one booker that says halpenny. Like I'm Hitler, like huddle penny. Oh no, no. Yeah. Um, well, a little bit about this podcast, since uh you don't know about it that much, and, and since it's gonna be new by the time it comes out. So I if you don't know this, but you know this about me, I was a horse girl growing up. I had no idea. Well you didn't by, know that? By, well, except by looking at you, like other than that, no, I'd have no idea. So I decided to bring on other comics who had like weird childhood obsessions and you're one of the first people I thought of only because I didn't know you liked WWE until I saw your TikTok following. And I was like, did he become TikTok famous solely based on hot takes about the WWE? <laughs> it was just like, no, I just saw a big sweaty man. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to have a huge following now. It's literally all dudes. It's my, my, my demo is pretty much only 35% women. So uh, as soon as I get to 10,000 followers, I try to bring that up just a little bit. Wow. How many followers do you have now? Uh, 7,500, I believe. Oh my God. So you are like, yeah, you're doing well in the WWE market. (laughs) Uh, So when did you first get into like wrestling or like the WWE in general? It was my... We didn't grow up having cable, so my dad said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna save money. We're not gonna have cable, but we're gonna buy you every toy that you want." I'm thinking, even back then, each action figure was like three, four bucks. Yeah, and cable was like twenty. Okay, and I pretty much had every single one. I said, "Dad, I love how you love me enough to buy all these all these action figures, but you know we can at least have TV, but." The way that I think he did it at a subconscious level, and I don't think he'll ever admit to it, is that he just wanted our creativity to flow elsewhere rather than just be obsessed with what's on TV. 
And then my uncle would do act outs of all the wrestlers. Because he was okay. only about eight years older than me, my uncle Bobby. Yeah. And so I know I knew who all the wrestlers were just by the voices that Bobby would do. And I didn't see a wrestling show until maybe because I was born in eighty seven, so I didn't see a wrestling show till maybe I was about eight years old. And I was at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. And you know how small my hometown is. Uh, yeah. But then you, you had you had big guys come on down. You had, you had the Ric Flair's come on down, Shawn Michaels, and uh, Razor Ramon, who was personally my favorite. Who's just a massively chill dude. Like, literally his gimmick is when you get into wrestling and you get into the WWE level, you need a damn good gimmick. And a lot of people their characters are extensions of themselves. Right. Or a study, study off several other things. This guy, Razor Ramon, his character was literally, he watched Scarface. And that that's was, it. That was his whole character. Was that based was based off his, of one movie. Based off of one movie. He was pretty much Tony Bantel. He's like, hello, mine. And luckily the owners of the WWF They've never seen Scarface. Like, okay. oh, wait, is that your idea? They said, sure, mine. <laughs> they, 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 just, they just ran with it. They pushed him to the moon. Still to this day, I don't think they've ever seen Scarface. Okay, so one of the things I did want to talk about is do you think it's more important with the WWE wrestlers to have, like, a good character and backstory or to be, like, a decent wrestler? Uh, character and backstory. Because really? Oh, absolutely, because it's it's entertainment. If you're an amateur wrestler, if you're in the Olympics, obviously you can't have a character, and yet you have to be a really good wrestler, but you can be, uh, like, the best wrestler in the world, but if you don't transition well to TV, if people aren't paying attention to you, then people aren't going to give a shit. It's the same thing, like, you, you, you and I do on stage. Like, you can have fantastic jokes that might be good for Twitter, but that doesn't mean that they'll be good on stage. And you can have a fantastic joke that you tell on stage, but if you don't time it right, then it's just then it's just going to turn out shitty and people aren't going to laugh. Yeah. Timing is just as important in comedy as it is professional wrestling. Yet it's never talked about in professional wrestling. And yet when we do when we do our act, we say like, "Oh, well that's fake." Yeah. That, that didn't happen yesterday. That, well, and it happens in comedy, too, where people think that, like, comedy is all, like, you thought of those jokes, like, that day. And it's like, no, you also, like, wrestling's all planned out, too, is it not? Like, oh, all yeah. those matches are planned out. Oh, absolutely. Especially, um, oh, especially, especially with, with WWE, because it has to be planned out for TV, just as, just as if you're doing a set for TV, a comedy set for TV, it has to be pristine and within that five minutes, like, okay get to this point, get to this point. No filler. It has to be right to the damn point. Yeah. So, uh, you said you got action figures before you started watching wrestling Yeah. of the wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know who they were. I knew their names, but I've never like seen them. It's just, I got action. I even got action figures of Bucky O'Hare, like literally okay. all of them. And I've never seen the show. Huh. Okay. At, at least with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I saw like a few episodes and that was at my grandparents' house because they had cable. Yeah. But the majority of the toys that I had, 
I've never seen them. Do you still have those toys or are they long gone? I'm sure that they're in my attic or, or long gone. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either. Uh, like if I go into my dad's attic, oh, they're there or yeah. oh, they're not there. I'm not going to be surprised either way. I'm just thinking about like when I was growing up, I thought Beanie Babies were going to be a big thing. And so I have all these hordes of Beanie Babies and I'm like, the, I can't do anything with these. Like I should have just you can make pl- bean played soup. with them. Oh, sure. Sure. Just tear them up and they're good. <laughs> so um, you said you went to your first WWE show when you were eight, right? Mm-hmm. How many, like in a roundabout number, how many times have you gone to see live wrestling shows? Like, like, like a lot, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, it's definitely more than like the numbers higher than, than people I slept with. So maybe like five now it's, um, (laughs) probably like two, three dozen shows maybe. Oh, wow. And is there one that is like particularly ridiculous? Like, have you had some experience where like you waited out in the rain, like all day and then like the show was a bust? Oh, I've been to some shitty shows, trust me. Um, but one of the last shows that me and my uncle Bobby went to, this was like 2004. This was this was at the Garden, uh, the Boston Garden. Okay. The said if Ric Flair shows his old wrinkly ass, I am going to be so pissed off. And I'm saying like, no, he's he's not going to show his ass. And lo and behold, he showed his old ass. And that it was this thing at non-televised shows because yep. you can't you can't show his ass on TV. Oh, like, he like, literally showed his ass at the show. Yeah. Okay, you don't see that on on the on the TV. Okay. And for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> Just you don't want people to change. Uh, you have to. But then the year after the Cape Cod Melody tent. We're, we're gonna go to uh, another show, and then he's saying, "No, I don't want to," because Brick Flair's gonna show his old ass again. No, I, I, so I went with so I went with someone else, and lo and behold, he showed everybody his ass, and it just that Rick Flair drip, and grossed out a bunch of people. I thought it was hilarious personally, uh, but like huh. at every house show, like a non televised event, a house show is pretty much the open mics of shows it's not shown on tv it's okay. it's not like actual televised event so it doesn't really count yeah but that's that's where you get to try out new stuff like if you have a pay-per-view match coming up like okay i'm gonna try this against an opponent Who i didn't even i didn't even think about that i always thought of like is it nxt like i was, was like oh that's like the open mic of the the wrestling world uh, you, you you would think so but it's like you were saying earlier just people think that we just went up there and, and wrote it that day That's true. when it's pre-planned and the house shows are, are there to practice out new sequences, new moves, yeah. try out the timing, feed off the crowd a little bit. That all makes sense. The, I honestly learned timing more from professional wrestlers than a majority of comics that, that I've seen live. Uh, if you, if you watch like a lot of comics on, on TV, mm-hmm. that's where they have their, that's where they have their best timing right. because that, that's, that's what they, that's what they built up to. But if you see guys like the rock him, his crowd control and just like a timing, the spacing. Okay. As soon as the, 
So as the crowd dies down a little bit, that's when I pick up my words again. Hmm. Never talk over, never talk over the noise of the crowd, like while they're while they're laughing. And it's it's just like I I know like a lot of great joke writers in Boston and Rhode Island that are just shitty comics because they don't they have zero crowd control and they don't go with the crowd at all. That's fair. I mean, there are definitely people that like run through their material and don't pause to let the audience breathe or like set tone or anything like that for sure. I guess I never really thought of it like with wrestling, they they're holding the audience captive until they decide to make like that one big move. Right. Or like Mm -hmm. somebody comes back from like getting hit with a chair or something. And so, so yeah. And if you speak of that, you can get hit with one chair shot and just be active for like, and you could play that out for a full five minutes. Yeah. But then there's do the, like, I'm going to do like 10 chair shots in a minute. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why do, why do rapid fire when people aren't processing all of them? Make every move count. Make every joke count. Yeah. It's better to have like, fi- like in comedy, it's better to have like a few killer punchlines, right? Than just keep like, I don't know. I feel like people want to like ram in all of the, that sounds bad. They just want to like bear, like barrel through their content but maybe it's better if they pace it out. Like that's a hundred percent, but because they barrel it like, okay, I'm going to say, I need to say everything I want to in these five minutes. Yeah. Dude, if they're laughing, let them laugh. Yeah. Let them, let them stretch it out. For sure. Okay. So since we're talking about stand-up comedy and wrestling, what is your take? Have you ever watched Dolph Ziggler's stand-up? It's all right. Like the, like the jokes themselves are pretty good, but it's not necessarily timed like a stand-up comedian. Like he needs to space it out. Like yeah. if, if, he feel, he, if he feels that he's not going to get laughs, he goes immediately into the next joke rather than feed off that, which is kind of ironic because as far as crowd control in, in wrestling, whether that be his promos – or, or the or the actual performing part, no, but there's hardly anyone better than Dolph Ziggler, right? And it's like he's like, he ha- doesn't have the crossover, yeah. And then on top of all of that, that uh, what was that movie that came out? That Amy Schumer movie that was like loosely based on him, because they dated. You know that they dated, yeah. yeah. Which I think is like kind of shocking but maybe they just like met in uh in a stand-up circle i don't know they met through twitter like a lot of ziggler's fans to amy like oh you should hit up this guy so like one might view it as being bullied by fans another might say like oh the fans were playing matchmaker it depends on how you see it but it was literally made through their fans twitter that's so that's like ridiculous that I'm shocked. And I'm also shocked that you know that. <laughs> I know a lot of weird shit. <laughs> like like especially in that in that wrestling realm. And then anything I know people just tell me, I don't necessarily go out of my way to know. Have you been doing more wrestling related content in quarantine? Like you I've seen yeah. you on a couple like live streams and stuff too. 
Um, yeah, I've I've done I've done more wrestling related just because that builds up a lot of my fan base. That's and then true. when I and then when I post up uh, stuff of my stand up, like oh, like I didn't know you do stand up too. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and so because I'm in quarantine with that and wrestling is is on constantly like yeah like uh all elite wrestling is is probably my favorite one but as far as wwe programming yeah per week there's about seven hours playing these are new matches yeah are they just playing empty arenas um all elite wrestling with the way that they go around it is that they're in an empty arena, but it's surrounded by other wrestlers that are in the crowd and other employees. Oh. So that's okay. how they can get away with it. That uh, makes sense. And then they were the first to jump on that. And then WWE started doing that. Uh, but but the, what they do is they, since they're indoors, they have they have like hockey barriers. And all, all elite wrestling, since it, uh, the owner's dad it owns the Jaguars, Okay. They they just literally use that arena on the side. Oh shit. For next to nothing because it's not being used then the, anyway. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They're finding a way around it. It's it's quite brilliant to see how how they're utilizing a bad situation, a bad globally bad situation. Yeah. And they're using it to their advantage. Like they had one match called uh, the Stadium Stampede match. And they're just using, they're just shooting different segments like, like it's like it's a movie. Then they're doing like cinematic styles. And then one wrestler, and I was talking about gimmicks earlier. Uh, there was one wrestler, uh, Matt Hardy, who used all six or seven of his gimmicks throughout a match, but he'd have a cutaway. And he'd be back to like, okay, this is 1997 Matt Hardy, cut away. Oh, this is 2009 Matt Hardy. It's just comedy gold to me at its finest. Huh. They're like, okay, so it's a live match and they're cutting back to like old clips of him? No, they're, no. Cutting, they're cutting back to like hit clips of him being old him. Okay. And just Interesting. His, and just his, his old attitude. Like there was one gimmick he had where he was like, where he was like an AOL buff. Yeah. And there, there, was, there was one where he's just mentally insane. There's one where he had where he's like an Egyptian god. Okay. And and they they bring they bring that all in in one match and they kind of just do a parody of some of the sillier shit that he did throughout his career. And if you could take advantage of that, then why the hell not? Yeah. Well, especially because like with stand up right now, people are like don't want to do Zoom shows. But meanwhile, it sounds like the wrestling community is like making it work in these empty arenas. That, that, that they are. Uh, personally, I think WWE needs to take full advantage of that more because they have this one championship called the 24 seven championship where you don't even have to be in the ring to win it. Oh. And then you're just standing around. You can smack them on the head, just pin them anywhere as long as there's a referee there. And that is what you like. Hold, the fact. Hold on. So you're telling me, I, I don't know a lot of male wrestlers. I mostly, this is embarrassing. I mostly only know wrestlers through the e-reality TV show. That's where like, well, that's where the mainstream comes in because because uh, e and Total Divas and Total Bellas yeah. 
that's how a lot of people like know them. Right. In my honest opinion, I think I because of reality <laughs> shows like that brought it more back into the mainstream. And I honestly believe within the past five years, wrestling is bigger than it than ever has been. And that even includes Hulk Hogan days and Stone Cold days. Well, yeah, because Hulk Hogan had his own reality show for like a long time. But I, I watched that briefly and then I didn't watch, it didn't drive me over to watching the wrestling. Whereas like watching Total Divas, I was like interested in the show. So then I started watching like Monday Night Raw. I actually bumped into, I can't remember which, it might've been the Bella Twins, somewhere in Kentucky. And I was so embarrassed to say anything that I just like ran away. It's 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 usually best to not mark out. So yeah. that's that's good form on you. But then there's other reality shows too, like um, the Miz has his own reality show, yeah. which may have gotten canceled. I, I don't know. I think he's still doing it, or or he's doing another show too. I was going to ask you your opinion on uh, the fandom that's come from Total Bellas and Total Divas, but it sounds like you think it's been a a pretty good thing for the WWE. I, I would say so. And it helps, it helps break kayfabe a little bit because a lot of relationships that they had prior to those shows coming out, they, they never, they never really talked about beforehand. Oh. Like, like John Cena was dating one of the Bella twins. Yep. Uh, Daniel Bryan was dating one of the Bella twins as well. Yeah. And it was never really addressed until that show. And then eventually they, they brought that, into storylines maybe like a couple years later so if anything i i feel it does help yeah because they had that like whole john cena proposal thing oh yeah that was that was hard which i nice. thought was like so tacky and like no it was, it was so the tackiest thing i didn't think it would it was not something that like cena's character or himself i think would have done it's it's very unseen-y. Uh, I, I I do I do agree with you there. I mean, I also think something that's very unseen-y because he's like trying to be like The Rock, right? So he's trying to like develop this like movie career outside of the wrestling world, and now he's doing those Experian commercials. Have you seen those? Um, i have not. He rides in on a cow when he's like in a dog show arena. No, no. I saw where he's like the peanut one where he's doing the pistachios and he's, and he's the elephant. He, he's got a lot of commercials, but some of them are bad. <laughs> hey, money, money is money. Like a lot of Hollywood people, when they're not on Epstein Island, what they're doing is the, um, they, what they're doing is they're going to Japan and they're filming commercials that way. Even though oh, yeah. none of them speak Japanese, there yeah. is a, big asian market out that way yeah and all they have to do is show their face and just oh meatballs yum yum and that's all they have to say that's ridiculous i'm sure that he's like raking in the dough but i'm like don't you have like a margin of like acceptable content i, I don't do, know do, don't you have a margin of dignity no yeah apparently not because if you've uh, if you've seen his merchandise throughout throughout the years, it's just colorful bullshit, and just like hey oh, yeah. kiddies, you can't see. So he went from a Marky Mark gimmick that really got over to yep. just like I'm for the children. It's just like that, you're not you're not a mini rock anymore. You're a mini Hogan. Yeah. And even the Hogan stick got old in the mid '90s. 
And I got to be honest with you. I don't understand the jean shorts. I don't get it. Nobody understands the jean shorts. Nobody gets it. I don't even think he does. Does he just wear them because he doesn't want to wear like a, like a speed, like, like, um, I don't know. What is it? He did wear the, well, he didn't actually wear like the speedo part. He wore like a uh, trunks, which is like a little bit like more material than the, than, yeah. than, the, than the speedo. Yeah. But like he never went past like the little Daniel Craig shorts for like the first year he wore those Daniel Craig's like, um, uh, like, like in the movie, the Spectre or Spectre. Yeah. And then, then later on, just like, I'm going to be a rapper gimmick. And I'm going to wear jean shorts, even though no rapper. Well, with the exception of Marky Mark, who would show his Hanes, wore the jean shorts. And then after he stopped doing that that gimmick, just like, okay, I'm going to still wear the jean shorts or I'm going to wear camo shorts and be all military face. Like, why? Yeah, I, I, I don't fully get it. Like, because to me, Cena doesn't even really have, like, we were talking about, like, having a background character. Like, I just feel like he is, like, He's just himself, right? I, I, I think that, like, if he was just more of himself, because John Cena, the person in real life, I find more interesting than John Cena, the character. Yeah, I agree. It's just like some some comedians as well. Like, I don't nec- I'm not necessarily a big fan of Russell Brand's stand-up, okay. but I'm a big fan of him as a person, and I'm a big fan of him in interviews and seeing his back and forth. And... It's it's just like there's a lot of comedians that I like seeing their interviews more than their actual stand up. For sure. There's people in in Boston comedy that I won't name that I'm like you're more on off stage than you are on stage. Like you're like looser and like you know more put together and have like funnier quips and then you are on stage. Well well it's um well I'm not going to mention Edwa's name. But ultimately, what's what's go, what's going on is there's a big difference between, and you and I have talked about this several times. There's a big difference between being funny with your friends as opposed to being funny on stage. For sure, there's there's a lot of comedians who are saying like, if you were more you on stage, I think that would be awesome. Like, I want to see the real you. It, it's it's like um. X-Men First Class. Okay. When there was a bedroom scene and Magneto goes in, Mystique is there. Magneto says, I want to see the real Mystique. No, the real Mystique. Perfection. And that's and that's it. Like Al Christakis yes. was was like one of those guys for a while. I am gonna mention names, but but that's like fine. Uh, but Al Christakis was one of those guys where he's just kind of stuck. He's funny, but kind of stuck where he's at. Yeah. But then as soon as I told him, as soon as other people told him, like, be the real you. Yeah. Like, you talk about how you were in diabetes camp, but you never talk about the actual diabetes camp. Right. And when he started talking about being him, this was maybe like three years ago, he's fucking gold. And oh, he's yeah. better than a lot of people in Boston. Yeah. For he, the short amount of time that he's been doing it. He's like definitely on and... and- he's one of the more authentic performers that I'm seeing in Boston right now, because there, there are people that are like, what does the audience want to hear? Instead of saying like, what do I want to tell? And, and, but he's, he's, he's good. Exactly. He's good at feeling that out. Yeah. Um, some people that are the opposite. Some people that aren't that funny on like offstage, but are brilliant on stage is Casey Crawford. Oh, like, okay. Like, 
Casey Crawford is one of the most real dudes you'll ever meet. Talk, you can have a real conversation. But then when, when he's on stage, he's on. I didn't meet Casey Crawford until he got – the first time I met him was, like, right after he did a set. And I just assumed that he was that person. And I was like, this guy has cats in a box? Like, I don't understand. I was very confused. <laughs> but, like, such a quiet guy offstage, but then he is just, like, so on when he gets on stage. You're, it's wild. It's it's like the same thing with, like, Chris Kenback, even though I've known him for the past couple of years. Okay. I see seeing him, I'm just like, I can see you doing all that shit. You creep me the fuck out. Oh, well, I mean, I guess we could talk about the time that he uh, told the joke that he, like, had a woman in his trunk. And then, yeah. a, whole, then a whole improv yeah. theater got shut down. Just because, like, when, when Kim backs on, he's on and he's absolutely hilarious. But then when he walks away, it's just, is he that guy? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. like, Bulger? Like, uh, one of his credits was opening for Louis C.K. Now he's, yeah, that's not something I talk about anymore. And Yeah, I think that's, like, something that some people still get really excited about. And it's, I mean, there are some trolls in our scene that would love to open for Louis C.K. If, if he asked me, depending on the situation, I probably would. If it was for a charity show... Do you really think CK is getting asked to do charity gigs right now? I don't. I don't think so. Um, because I got I got um I I got asked, would you book Louis CK as it for the Red Nun? Sure, because that's a bar. Right. They're there for comedy, but if I was doing if I was putting together a funny for fun show, and it was for a woman's shelter, hell no. No. Just she... hell no. That was like. And I loved his special. I loved his recent special, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm... It's not like he would say, like, oh, AJ, I need work. He's, he's above, like, he's way above that level. But, the, but if it was, like, a bar show, yeah, I'd throw him on last minute. If it, was, uh, if it was a fundraiser show... Well, there was, like, a time that... And I don't think bookers always do this. There was a time I got asked to do a show that was a fundraiser, but they didn't tell me that it was for domestic violence. And then they had me take bullet and I did like no. my opening joke, which is about being tall <laughs> and like getting kidnapped and my set bombed oh. and I got off stage and <laughs> the host was like, oh yeah, this is um, for a fundraiser for domestic violence. And I was like, where was that information before I did the joke about getting abducted right off the top? You, you shouldn't feel bad because if it was a better organized event, like they would have listings of that somewhere. It would say it on the poster or it'd say it in a backdrop because all the Fight for Fun shows, like they have like a backdrop on, on what it is and also on the big check. Yeah. Like if it's one where like they don't want to spend the money to get a Funny for Funds and just like, oh, well, we'll get our own comedians and I can get like this open micer to do it or I can get... I could do it for half the budget yeah. and just have and just have lesser known people yeah. headlining then okay we have no money for the banner now so, so 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 like with stuff like that you can't really blame yourself cuz they should have had that up and one you probably should have been told 
Well, and I even asked, like, I always like make a point because it was a gig out in the burbs. I always make, make a point to like ask if I, if there's anything I can or can't do. And the booker was like, oh, like I booked you for a reason. You're fine. Was it Fahey? No. I no. just had to ask. No. I, I just assumed that no. that would be a, be a Fahey move. Shout out to Mike Fahey. I, I've done a Fahey show in Hudson that was a little bit of a mess because of some audio issues, but never a booking problem with him. If you had to throw down in a wrestling match with a comedian, would it be who would it be? Would it be Mike Fahey? No, uh, that that's that's like beating a child. So no. Um, I would say like it, it ha- if I were to throw down a wrestling match, it would be against Dan Bolger. Uh, because he stole my parents and whenever he does one of my shows and my parents are there he's like oh yeah these are my parents and i was just like you mother and so if i were to have a match with somebody it would be the honor so i could win my parents back it would be aj's parents on a pole match okay and you have to climb up and, and, and reach them and touch oh, like, their fingers like it's Hook, like 1991's Hook. Yeah. When you touch their fingers, they're, they're, they're good. I'm picturing, uh, what is it like, where they have the money box hanging? Yeah, mo- yeah, money, money in the bank. Yeah, and it's, that, except it's your parents hanging. Yeah, ex- exactly. A, yeah. But we need to remember to hang them from their feet this time and not their neck because okay because that situation was very awkward with when we had rob crean on a pole match and he couldn't breathe but luckily we were able to save rob crean just fine dan bolger's actually pretty strong like i i mean that might be an even matchup i he's freakishly strong he's not just like show abs strong so i'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fall for that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have some pocket sand like Bobby Hill. Just like oh, pocket man. sand. But no, I'll. 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 I'll find. I'll find a way to somebody. Somebody can. Somebody can sign the match. Okay. What would be? Uh, you, you talked about wrestler gimmicks. What would be your gimmick if you were a wrestler? Um, if if I were a wrestler, just, this is just based off what I've been doing for like the past six years. Yeah. I just have. I just have my gimmick be like a comedy booker, and. And then the, I, I, I just, whoever I'm managing, I just, just like, that's a light. You got a minute to go. <laughs> get, 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 get your opponent and go. And then I would, I would just, I would just say like, oh yeah, the checks, the checks coming in the mail. I'm like, oh yeah, I got this other match that I'm going to put you on next month. And then I don't, then I don't respond to And it. then you don't respond to like messages or emails or yeah. FaceTimes yeah. or any form of contact. Okay. That's actually well, not bad. I was saying like, oh, oh yeah, hit me up. Uh, yeah, I'm not booking any matches right now, but yeah, hit me up six months from now, and I might have something. You must have people like still messaging you right now for stuff too, right? Thankfully, not as not as nearly as much. This is probably the window in which people have asked for bookings the least. Like I still I still do, but it's not to the point where I'm pulling my hair out. Yeah, and and I'm. I'm pulling a, oh yeah, hit hit or Ed and I are pulling like oh we'll hit up AJ, hit hit up hit up Ed instead, and um because because like whenever somebody's hit me up for something yeah, like I'll say send me a clip, and sometimes I'm like well you've seen me before like well if I'm basing off of what I've seen then I'm not gonna book you because I've only seen you at open mics, 
send me a clip of you at a show. And yeah. then what I'll do is I think Dana J. Bine taught me this mm-hmm. is like, if watch like the first like 90 minutes and you're, and you're not impressed then 90, I think you mean 90 seconds. Uh, I it's quarantine. I, I lose track of time all. is yeah. I've been watching a lot of specials, a lot of specials for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. 90 seconds. Like, Oh, well you gotta watch the whole five minutes. Like, well, if you can't make someone laugh in the, First At the minute. beginning, you're out. Yeah, no, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's paying attention to you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you've always responded back to me, so I, I must be lucky. Because you don't suck, that's why. And I'm a woman, you have and, to respect me. And the thing is, we're in such shortage of women in comedy in general, and just like, you also have to have like a woman that's also good. So like, even if it's like a time that's just like, oh, like I can't make it last minute. Like, okay, well hit me up a month from now and I'll, I'll, I'll throw you on something. Yeah. It's that there's, I can't have a show of all cis white dudes. I, 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 I just, I just can't. Any show that I'm doing has to have diversity. Even if I'm in in the middle of West Bumfuck, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, all of it's a diverse lineup. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that because there are some people who I see and it's just like all white dudes that have the same jokes about, you know, Tinder and their dick. But if I'm booking a show, like um, I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll have all of me, I'll have a white dude, I'll have a black dude and a, and a woman. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's general, generally my four piece. And any place you go, even if they're predominantly white, at least the places that I've been, they've always appreciated something like that. Like, um, it was, uh, it was the Lincoln Comedy Festival last year. I brought, uh, I brought Trent Wells with me. Okay. And, and people are looking at like, wow, there's, there's actually a black guy here. This is, this is amazing. And then he crushed. Like, it was one of the best sets I've ever seen him do. Yeah. And just with stuff like And I'm realizing there's only one white guy on the show, and that's Alan Fitzgerald. That's literally, like, the only white dude. And he's, like, a little bit, like, on the cusp of being too much for some people sometimes, too. So Oh, oh, ab- absolutely. But yeah. the beauty of, of him is, like, um, on, a, on a Funny for Fun show. Yeah. I can't necessarily have him on because of said material and, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people want to hear that, but on a general show, any general show, like I will put him on in a heartbeat. If he asks for a guest spot, yeah, like, Oh yeah, of, of course. Like I've, I've never told, I've never told Alan Fitzgerald no, because I know that they're going to have a good time. And even if it's a mo- mainly liberal crowd, like the most liberal liberals that ever liberal, like they'll catch them off guard and they'll start laughing. It's like, okay, I broke the seal. Now I have to laugh at the rest of his jokes if I find them funny. Right. And sometimes his material, like not all of it is that extreme. So like, I mean, he has his, I, I find him funny. I, I I find him one of the funniest people ever, but as, yeah. as far as his dips, it all, it all depends on the crowd too. For sure. I, I've, I've seen him. I've rarely seen him bomb, but like the, the times that like I've seen him not do well, 
Mm-hmm. And so you were, people are like in a corner just, just looking at him. And there's been pictures of him just looking at his phone and just like women just looking at him in disgust from like the stuff that he said. But the, the, the way that I see it is, the way that I book a show is, would my mom enjoy this show? Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I get yeah, it. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, well, well, I, I, I also grew grew up with uh, that with com with Comedy Central on the TV. So when we actually had yeah TV, TV later on uh, after my parents split up, I, every Friday night it was, was stand up specials. Like uh, it was it was Chappelle. It was it was something. Yeah. So. so because we were raised super religious, ultimately, uh, like uh, you can't cuss. But then, like later on, like when we separated ourselves from from that, mm-hmm. and seeing like Chappelle go bitches and that 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 kind of, that kind of humor just just led it to my mom and I have a very similar sense of humor. Yeah, and so she'd find someone like like alan hilarious bulger is bulger's one one of her favorites um and recently she she liked shit whitaker a lot um well i mean dan and, bulger is her child so that makes yeah sense. yeah so i have to win him back in in that match in that match okay so were there any other things you were obsessed with as a kid besides like wrestling and all that sort of stuff oh oh yeah but nothing i can particularly well like not were you into everything disney? all at once were you um, into disney i was i was i was very much i was very much into disney okay um like the majority of of my t-shirt if it's not wrestling it's um it's it's something disney related i have a lot of your shirts um i massively love your which is which is why i love cats because cats are are generally depressed people uh like yeah. like, like 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 myself okay and if if it's not that it's something comic book related, I was obsessed with uh, comic books, and then back back to my dad, pretty much buying me like any any comic book as long as it was DC, not Marvel, because we didn't have Marvel money back then. Okay. Um, and like you go the Ocean State job lot, each comic book was literally thirty three cents. Oh wow! So my dad spoiled me with with toys and comic books, but because we didn't have cable. I think he spent more money on the toys of comic books and that, and also buying movies on, on DVD than, than cable. But ultimately yeah. because of that, it helped. I feel that it helped expand my creativity because yeah. at least, at least every one of my siblings have some creative outlook. Um, and then like later on, I became obsessed with more sketch comedy. Like um, okay. I, I, I liked SNL a lot, but mad TV was my personal favorite. And so, so like, that that was a dream of mine to be on Mad TV, like uh, thirteen year old. Like um, me and my buddy Mike Ionello, uh, we would do a lot of the voices, like Will Sasso, okay, Aerie Spears, Aerie Spears, uh, one of my heroes growing up. And then uh, just like, oh, I want to be a, I want to be a comedian like him, and I also want to be a wrestler like what Will Sasso was doing for a while, even though he got his ass kicked um, in in the matches that he was doing. Yeah, but pretty pretty much like what I wanted to do was based off of mad TV. And I, mean, I, I get it. I watched mad TV too. And I was like, well, I'll never get on SNL, but like, maybe I could get on mad TV. I was, I, I was saying like, I, I like mad TV better because it's a little raunchier. They're not afraid to talk about race issues that are clearly happening in the world. Like 
but holy shit, I dig that. And that's what I, and that's what I want to do. Okay. I don't feel like your standup is like that though. I mean, no, it's, I, I write mostly clean yeah. because that's the majority of the paid shows that I do. Right. Like maybe like my first like few months in comedy, I wrote dirtier. That's cool. But I'll, yeah. But Steve Bix, like uh, this, this, this guy that would, uh, that, that would regularly book me, Ben Quick and Justin P. Drew. Yeah. Like if you, if you write cleaner, you will get on more shows, which is, why generally I don't necessarily do the best in like city wise, which is why I'm trying to write dirtier material, but kind of still have it be in the realm of PG 13. Yeah. Um, like if I do a PG 13 rated show, I can still do my ass eating jokes. Cause I'm not actually talking about the act. I'm just turning it into a pun. Okay. Yeah. And if I can turn, turn it into something where it's just innuendo right. to me, that is it's, funnier than actually saying the word. Yeah, and it's still in the parameters of being clean. Like a lot of times you can allude to stuff, but you just can't say it. I guess every booker's different though. Like some people just don't want you even alluding to it. Well, AJ, I uh, think that we have come to the end. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, yes. The Please follow me. At AJ Haypenny, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Pornhub, and that's AJ Haypenny. That's Alpha J Hotel Alpha and the word Penny. How you spell the word Penny? Not with one N, it's with two N's, you friggin' turds. Well, AJ, it's been a lot of fun having you on, and I know we talked, we originally started talking about wrestling. I feel like we went down a rabbit hole, but, um, I, I really appreciated this and you guys have been listening to the gimme uh, check back next week for another episode.